Got your Bibles? Would you take my word for it if I read mine to you then? Turn to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, if you've got your Bible with you. Matthew chapter 6. If you don't mind, I'm just going to sit down today. I, we were out partying all night last night, and I'm tired. <laughs> I got a little back problem, but uh, I'll get straightened out. All righty. Now, today, beware of the snare. Beware of the snare. We're going to talk about the number one trap in believers' lives. Your Heavenly Father is going to be good to you today. He's going to give you something that will save your life. It will help you. I want you to learn this. I want you to get it down in your heart. You'll remember it the rest of your life, and I want you to practice it. The number one trap of your enemy in your life, more destruction in this land, but more lives have been ruined by it. More marriages have been broken up by it. Our land is being destroyed by it. You will see this. And uh, you need to know what it is. And we find this part in the model prayer that we've been taught to pray. We've been studying the model prayer where Jesus told us, when you pray, say this. And I want us to read it a little bit here. And let's come to it today. Matthew chapter 6. The Bible says this in Matthew 6 where Jesus said in verse 9, In this manner pray, or when you pray, say this. Our Father in heaven, praise be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, in our lives, our homes. Give us this day our daily bread. Last week we talked about the next one, forgive us our debts. Today we talk about as we forgive our debtors. We talk about forgiveness today. We talk about the forgiveness we extend toward people. Tell me the number one trap destroying the nation, the number one trap that creates more grief and more marriages than it is unforgiveness and bitterness. Bitterness. We're going to talk about that today. Uh, let me ask you this. If your heavenly father were to show you the trap, you think you'd stay out of it? The answer is amen. <laughs> let me show you something, see if you agree with this. Turn to Proverbs chapter 1. You need this rest of your life. Proverbs chapter 1. See if you agree with this. I'm walking not long ago following a, a branch that we have on our property. And I walked onto the next adjacent property. I'm following that branch to find out what the problem was. And all of a sudden I'm walking and in the little semi-path there right up against the branch was a steel-jawed trap open and set. They'd open like that right there where I was walking toward. And I thought, who put that there? And I said to myself, I said, self, what did I say to myself? Don't step in that. That's a malignant stupid that would reach up there and... <clears throat> push that button right in the middle to just see what would happen. I saw that trap and I said, don't put your foot in there. Or, I'm over your head this morning. See if you agree with this. Proverbs 1, 17 says this, Surely in vain the net is spread in the sight of any bird. How many of you think that's true? It's dumb to show the bird where you're going to trap him. All right, now back then they didn't have shotguns. You hunted birds with a snare back then which is just a little cord, had a loop. You, you set it out there in a loop on the bird trail or wherever, put bird seed or berries in the middle of it. You, the, you followed the cord line, you went and hid in the bush. And when the bird stepped in there to get the berry or the, or the seed, you pulled it and you trapped him. Got it? Okay, you stand out there and you see the bird. Say, Bert, Mr. Bird, look here. I'm going to trap you with this. This is how it works. I'm going to set it right here. See, right here. And then you're going to step in it I'm going to be in that bush over there. I'm going to jerk it. I'm going to get you by the leg. I'm going to pull your feathers off. 
I'm going to cook you over the fire and I'm going to eat you. How many of that's one dumb bird if he gets caught in that snare after that? <laughs> Let me tell you what good is. Good is the kindness of our Heavenly Father to say, right there where he's going to be waiting on you at, and right there's what he's going to do. Don't step in it. That's exactly what it is. All righty. I, uh, I want to share something with you that happened to me. This is made up. This is a parable. I'm sitting in this bar one night not long ago. And uh, that probably was not made up. I'm sitting in this bar. And about five or six demons came in after work and they sat down at the table beside me. And they're drinking beer and talking to each other. And uh, they're just, you know, after a day's work. One of them said to the other, how'd your day go today? How'd you do? He said, it's like shooting fish in a barrel. He said, I had my guy captured by lunchtime, so I went over and helped Decephus catch his. I just locked him up in prison, went and helped him catch his. He said, these Christians, he said, they are so proud of the fact that they don't whore around and get drunk and use drugs, and I'm catching them with stuff they don't even see coming. I just laughed. I just leaned back, and I said, let's see if I can learn something else from this table over here. All right, dear ones, let's look at it. Matthew chapter 18, beware of the snare. This is the primary passage in the Bible on forgiveness. We're going to learn a whole bunch today. This could save your life, save your marriage. It would save our land if folks would just listen to God speak. All right, Matthew 18. Perhaps you've heard this before. This is a simple teaching on a, on a great truth. Matthew 18 begins in verse 21, says this. Peter came to Jesus, Matthew 18, 21, said to him, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me? Let's just pause. Anybody here ever had anybody do anything wrong to you? All right. So we're not talking about just your brother. This could be your wife, your husband, somebody you never met, sin against me. He said, how often, verse 21, does my brother, somebody do me wrong and I forgive them? And then he asked up to seven times. He said that because under Jewish law at that time, you were required to forgive seven times. After seven, you didn't have to forgive anymore. Verse 22, Jesus said to him, Paul's right there. If Jesus said to him in the Bible is word of God, the word of God, can I say Jesus is saying to me? If we can't, let's go home. It ain't worth studying history. I need to hear God speak to me today. Jesus says to me, <clears throat> verse 22, I do not say to you seven times, 70 times seven. Real quick, somebody tell me. 490. So did Jesus Christ just tell me right there, you are, to, and by the way, the number seven in the Bible or any multiplication of seven always means infinity. You are to forgive freely, period. So Jesus tells me that. You probably knew this. Verse 23, therefore, talking about forgiveness, the kingdom of heaven is like, Jesus said, your life will be like this. I'm going to paint you a physical picture to help you understand how life works. Dear ones, God is fixing to show us how life works. He's fixing to show you the snare so we can stay out of it. Kingdom of heaven is like this. A certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. All right, you, you got to figure out what's he saying in the parable. Who's the king? This is talk back. When I sit down, you can talk back to me. This is talk back day to day. The certain king is the living God. Who are the servants? That's us. What does it mean he wanted to settle accounts with them? Does in, did anybody know that there's going to come a day I'm going to stand in front of Jesus? I talked about this sometime 
few months ago and a man came up to me at the other campus afterwards and he said, I've been going to church for 40 years. I never heard that. I said, ain't you glad you was here today? Second Corinthians 5.20, listen to this. We shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ to give an account of the things done in our body, whether good or bad. I'm going to stand in front of Jesus one day. Relax. It's an open book test. In other words, you can pass this test if you want to. I'm going to stand in front of Jesus. So that's what it means. Verse 24. When he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. So here's a man comes in front of the king. He says, how much this man owe me? The bookkeeper says 10,000 talents. A talent is 6,000 denarii, which is measurements of money in that day, weights of money. 6,000 denarii. A denarii was a day's wage for a working man. So if you made $15 an hour, 10,000 talents is $7.2 billion. All right, how, about you, how, how many of you, if you owed somebody $7.2 billion, you could pay it back if they'd give you a little time? <laughs> what are we talking about here? You will never pay back what you owe God. Our sins against Him can never be paid back. Do we understand this? A lot of Christians don't understand this. You say, I'm a good person. I don't drink and smoke. You'll never pay it back. You cannot pay back what you owe him. Our sins against him. All righty. Verse 25, he was not able to pay. Dear ones, I don't know why this is a struggle for people, but people who don't whore around and drink and cuss and raise hell think that because they're good people, somehow they've paid for their sins. What can wash away my sins? Nothing. The book of Micah, chapter 6, verse 6 says this. What shall I bring to the Lord for my sins? A thousand rams? Thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? No. There's nothing I can do to pay back my sin against Him. There's a window set of list, nothing else matters. Okay. All right, here's the deal. He couldn't pay it back. Verse 25, he was not able to pay. The master commanded that he be sold his wife, children, and that payment be made. He's, that's called judgment. Verse 26, the servant fell down, humbled himself, saying, Master, have patience with me. I will pay you all. So he humbled himself. Verse 27, the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him, forgave him the debt. What's that a picture of? The gospel of Jesus Christ. I owed a debt I could not pay. I couldn't. I humbled myself before the living God. And because his heart became tender toward me, he said, you owe me nothing. The debt has been paid. I'm a, this is forgiveness. I'm a forgiven man. Jesus died on the cross. My sins are forgiven. They're remembered no more. You can't find them. God's buried them in the depths of the sea, his word says. They'll never be brought up again. You're looking at a forgiven man. Why? Because of the compassion of God. God so loved the world. He gave his son. So this wicked man could be forgiven and I'm happy about it. Okay, that's it. That, that's our relationship with the Father. You, you didn't earn your way back to God. In His kindness, He forgave you. It's called the gospel. All right, but now that's not the end of the story. I got saved, whatever you want to call it. Watch what happens. Verse 28, but, here's the but gets us in trouble. That servant went out, found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, which would be about $12,000. Laid hands on him, took him by the throat, saying, pay me what you owe. Was it an illegitimate debt? No, it was a legitimate debt. You owe it to me. 
you would say to me or people said to me in counseling, you don't know what they did to me. I know it's a legitimate debt. That's what we're talking about here. His fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him saying, be patient with me. I'll pay you everything back. All right, verse 30. He would not. He made a decision. I will not forgive you. So we got it. He's made a decision. He is not going to be forgiven. And of course, you remember he'd done been forgiven on the other side over there. All right, watch this. He would not, but went, verse 30, threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. Now, we don't have this today. Back in that day, uh, they had what's called debtor's prison. You ever heard of debtor's prison? You ever heard old people years ago, they'd say, well, let's go to the poor house. Well, that's, that was a term for debtor's prison. If you owed a debt, you couldn't pay it. They could lock you in prison, which is dumb. How are you going to pay it if you're in prison? But they put you in prison. And it was strictly for debt. Well, if we did that today, we'd all be in prison, wouldn't we? Debtor's prison. So this guy, this man owes him a debt. He can't pay it. He says, put him in debtor's prison. How many of you ever put anybody in debtor's prison? You didn't have the sheriff come get him. Tell me where debtor's prison is of unforgiveness. Right here. You say, I don't know if I've ever done it or not. Let me ask you, let me put it this way. You ever laid in bed at night and thought about what they did to you? That's debtor's prison. Somebody offends us. We put them in prison in our hearts. We hold them there. A lot of times, maybe late at night or whenever, we take them back out and beat on them. We're holding their debts over them. Called unforgiveness. All right, you got it? And uh, you would not. All right, so we're in trouble. Verse 31, when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they're grieved and came and told their master. The master, after he called him, verse 32, said this, you wicked servant. Pause right here. What would we call wickedness today? What would you call a wicked person? Maybe a child molester, wife beater. I'd call that wicked. Can I get a witness that beating your wife is wicked? Okay, I want to make sure y'all's awake. That's good. What does God call wickedness? The refusal to forgive. He said, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you prayed to ask me. Verse 33, should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you. All right, you notice at the end of verse 33, what's the punctuation? Is it a question mark? Dear ones, when our Heavenly Father, when God Almighty asks a question, He wants us to answer it. Now He asks this question, should you not have compassion on people who sin against you the way I have had compassion on people who sin against me? Tell me the simple answer. Yes. I want you to notice something in this verse. I don't know if you caught this in the model prayer we read. Can you see the two are connected? Can you see that my forgiveness of you needs to be tied to the forgiveness I received from him? Can you see that? I don't know if you caught this or not. Let me quote it to you again. In that model prayer, it says this. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those who are indebted to us. It did not say, forgive me my debts. I forgive. Let me quote it to you from another version. Heavenly Father, forgive me my sins against you the way I forgive people who sin against me. Is that not what it said? As I forgive those who sin against me. All righty. Verse 31, his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers. Now we don't have torturers in government today. Well, maybe an IRS agent would come close, but 
Who were the, anybody remember the tortures of old times? You remember these? This was down in the king's dungeon. Put them on a rack, twist them, beat on them, break their legs. They, they tormented people, hung them in chains on a wall, you know. Those were the torturers. Do we have torturers today? We sure do. Verse 35, so my heavenly father will do to each of you if from his heart he does not forgive his brother his trespasses. Is the Bible telling me here that I will suffer at the hands of torturers if I do not walk in forgiveness? Is it saying that? Listen, Ray Charles could see this. Crystal clear, Doc. Clear as a bell. Who are the torturers who torture the people of God today? It's not the Heavenly Father. He don't torture people. He blesses people and heals people. It's not the angels. Who are the torturers? They're called, another version may say, tormentors. Who is it that torments the people of God? Demonic spirits. Here's the truth, dear ones. Demonic spirits have full access to my life if I do not waffle on this issue of forgiveness. What is the way that the enemy gets into my life? Is it, is it chasing huzzies? Is it drinking Jack Daniels? Or is it a bad attitude toward people? This is clear as a bell, dear ones. A bad attitude toward people, unforgiveness, bitterness, big, small, it doesn't matter. This is the enemy's inroad into my life. It is what has hurt more marriages. It is what has broken more homes. And it is what will take this nation down. What happened in the past is not the problem. Our attitude toward what happened in the past is what's killing us and the bitterness and the unforgiveness. All right, simple truths. Number one, that we learn out of this passage, you need to be glad because you are forgiven. We talked about that last week. I am so glad to be forgiven. Number two, people will sin against you. Can I get a witness that people are going to hurt you? People are going to do things to you. They're going to do things big and little. They're going to they're cut you off in traffic and give you the finger. Well, maybe they don't give you the finger, but... If it's in their heart, it's on their hand. Can I get a witness? <laughs> They're going to cut you off in traffic. They're going to lie about you. They're going to say things not knowing the truth. They're going to step. People are going to do you wrong. Does anybody here live long enough on this planet to find out that's true? And it's not over yet. I'm, I'm making an announcement, dear ones. This is coming. People are going to do you wrong. All right, they're going to sin against you. They're going to do it two ways. They're going to do it unknowingly. A lot of the junk that happens to us, people do not mean to hurt us. I've actually heard women say this to their husbands. What were you thinking? Tell them the answer, boys. <laughs> Come on, girls. You ask a man what was it. Why don't you ask him where you thinking, period? That'd be more like it, wouldn't it? <laughs> I really, girls, really. We're dumb as a brick. I'm, I'm being a little cute, but most of the people that wound you and hurt you, they didn't get up that morning to do that. They're clueless. Number one, people are going to hurt you unknowing. Number two, people are going to hurt you on purpose. It's going to happen. They're going to do it on purpose. I've seen people hurt other people for no reason except to hurt them. They didn't get anything out of it. That's just fallen human nature. And people are going to hurt you. Number three, when it happens... You have two options. You can do one of two things. Number one, you can forgive and you can live. Pretty clear, isn't it? And uh, 
You can enjoy your life. You can be free. You can be at peace. You can be happy. You can forgive people and you can live. Uh, one of the great promises in the Bible, one of the foundational pillars is this, Matthew 5, 7. Blessed are the merciful because they will experience. Does anybody know what you get if you're merciful? You get mercy. Blessed are the merciful. They get mercy. What is mercy? Mercy is when you forgive somebody something they do not be deserve, they don't deserve. Many people confuse grace and mercy. They're not the same. They're almost opposites. Grace is when you get what you don't deserve. Mercy is when you don't get what you do deserve. Right? Blessed means good things happen. God is good to people who are what? Merciful. All right. For every principle in the universe that God set in motion, there is an opposite counter principle, isn't there? You know, you got gravity and then you've got centrifugal for all those things. Dear ones, if blessed are the merciful, what are the unmerciful? What's the Bible word? Cursed. Listen, you're blessed if you're merciful. You suffer if you're hard or demanding. I don't care if whiskey has never touched these lips. I don't care if you've never smoked a cigarette. How many good people who ain't never done those evil things are just eat up with, I'll never forget what they did to me. There was, this is the killer. I'm telling you, cigarettes will take the air out of you. Unforgiveness will suck the life out of you. This is the kill. Number one, you can forgive and you can live or you can refuse to forgive and you can suffer. It's that simple, dear ones. We've got two options. Number four, demons can destroy believers' lives. A lot of preachers don't believe that. A lot of people don't believe that. Why would we not believe that? What do you think it means you will be turned over to the tormentors how many people do I know, they just cannot enjoy their life? You just look at them and you can see it on them. There's no joy. There's no peace. They're medicated. They are self-medicating. What is it that's got... Why are we so angry in this land? What, what in the world is going on here? The Bible is very clear. They can destroy believers' lives. I want you to listen to this foundational verse. If what I just said is not true, why did Jesus Christ say... The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come that you might have the most wonderful life. Where's this wonderful life Jesus came to give? Where's it at? The thief stole it. Where's this wonderful marriage we thought we'd have? When, when my daughter got married, my father-in-law laughed. He said to him, I hope y'all will be as happy as we thought we'd be. Marriage is supposed to be wonderful. You know what the Bible says about marriage? You're supposed to delight in the wife of your youth all the days of your life. You're supposed to be like a, <laughs> a loving deer and a graceful doe. Not two hyenas locked in the bathroom. That ain't right. <laughs> marriage is supposed to be wonderful. What has happened to this wonderful thing Jesus gave us? The thief stole it. How did he steal it? What did she mean when she said that? Why did he have to be like that? Why did he do that? Bitterness has stolen the abundant life Jesus came to give people. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. God did not mean a nation to live like this nation is living. What has destroyed this nation? Attitudes. Attitudes. The bitterness, the anger, the hatred that's all driven from... What's the root of all that stuff? Unforgiveness. 
I'm not about to forgive you. And I'll never forget what you did to me. All right, the scriptures are pretty clear. Here's why demons can destroy believers. Now listen to me carefully. Our God is the God of mercy and forgiveness. Satan is the God of unforgiveness and bitterness. Therefore, demons have legal right to any place they find unforgiveness. They got legal right to be there. It's, I can't believe I'm going through this. They have a legal right to be there. Listen to me carefully. All the praying in the world can't cancel out their legal right to be in your mind. I've had people say to me, Brother Brian, please pray for me. And I just say to them, won't do any good. Won't do a better. I could pray for you. I get all, well, we can't get all Roberts. He ain't here no more. I, I can get everybody and my friends to pray. We can anoint you with oil and you won't be a bit better off until you forgive and repent. Right, we have a counselor here at our church. She is wonderful and she's gifted. And I've talked to her about this before. I said, what's, what's the big deal? What's the main one? This is it right here. I don't, you can get years of counseling, but until you say, you don't owe me nothing, God bless you. You're going to stay in counseling and all the counseling can't help. All the medication in the world can't do a thing except numb you. And you're going to stay there till you say, God bless you. I forget it. I forgive it. And we're friends. Listen, nothing can cancel out their legal right to you <clears throat> where there's unforgiveness. It's just nothing can do it. Now, verse 34 in Matthew 18 said this, torturers. How do evil spirits torture the people of God? Let me give you what, some things from the Bible, how evil spirits torture people. Number one, fear. There was there is no fear in God's kingdom. Believers should be a fear-free people. Let me quote to you 1 Timothy, excuse me, 2 Timothy 1.6. God has not given us a spirit of fear. And many people are tormented by fear because of this, this root right here. Depression. Not all depression is rooted in this. Some depression is rooted in chemical situations. Some depression is because of the darkness in the air. But the Bible is very clear in Isaiah 61 that much of the mental suppression and depression comes because we give it place through our attitudes toward people. Let me make an announcement. Depressed is not normal for God's people. Now listen, listen, if yours is chemical, God bless you. Let's get a doctor. Let's get some help. Are you with me? I am for people. But if yours is there because you got a bad attitude towards somebody, let's get you some help too. Normal is joy and peace in the kingdom of God. It's excitement about life. It's abundance. It's freedom. It's fullness. Jesus died for you to live a great life, not to beg and suffer through. <clears throat> Let me give you one more. Anger. Anger is pure demonic. Where you see anger, you're looking at evil. And the demonic, there are spirits of anger. And I, I, once in a while I'll meet people and they'll, they'll, I'll begin to deal in years of counseling with them. And all of a sudden that, something will just boil out of them. Just a rage comes out of them. And I think, man, from whence cometh this right you <laughs> It's demonic. And I can trace the root back to something that happened years ago. And that thing got a foothold on people. Self Mark chapter 4, self-destructive behavior. Somebody talked to me about, the, recently an older person like me, they, I mean, they were really old, not as old as I am, but they were pretty old. They said something, what's this new thing about these kids cutting themselves? Them cutting's not new. Read Mark chapter 4 in the Bible. A man was cutting himself with stones. Cutting been going on for thousands of years. 
Guess why the man was cutting himself? In whom were many demons. The demonic is self-destroyed. When you look at people and say, you're killing yourself. Guess who's behind it? Jesus is the author of life. He don't kill. He gives life. Uh, physical, go find a doctor who's an atheist and ask him, if you're angry and bitter, will it hurt you physically? Ask him. He'll tell you, you, our bodies weren't designed to live. God didn't design our bodies to live holding grudges. You, these bodies weren't designed. These bodies were designed to function at peace and in joy. And of course, the ultimate, the ultimate evil spirit that always follows at the root of bitterness, suicide. I have buried people. I've preached their funerals who died way before their time, who never, they would not run around on their mates. They didn't use drugs. They wouldn't steal from you. But they went to their graves bitter. And bitterness took their lives. I know a few times. And I've, told, I've talked with people. And I've told them, I said, listen, you're in counseling. You're medicated. You're miserable until you forgive your brother for stealing that farm from you. Nothing's going to help you. And then they turn on me. Angry with me. I, listen, I love people. I have got the answer. God's word is life to those who find it and healing to their flesh. And they refuse to forgive. And then all of a sudden, spirit of suicide comes in. Now, all right, listen to me carefully. We're going to play supposition for a minute, number five here. If you were a good person and you, you were honest and upright and decent, and I wanted to destroy you and destroy your family, if I were Satan, guess which angle I'd come from? It wouldn't be, I wouldn't send a crack dealer to your house. I wouldn't send some hoochie mama to run you down. I meant to say hussy, I'm sorry. I wouldn't tempt you to steal from the company's payroll. I would have somebody do something to you that wasn't right. And then when you lay down at night, I'd get in your head over it. And I'd bring it back up. And I'd keep picking at that thing until it got deep in there. If I was him. You, you believe that's scriptural? Turn me to 2 Corinthians 2. I want to show it to you. 2 Corinthians 2. Dear ones, that day I was walking by the branch and I saw that trap and I thought, Biggers, son, if you step in that, don't even call for help. You ask for it. If you step in it after seeing it, all right, 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Listen to me carefully. It is not what people do that creates the problem. It's how we handle it. It's our response. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 5. If anyone has caused grief, let's just pause right there. Anybody here ever caused you grief? Okay. Has not grieved me, but all of you to some extent, not to be too severe. The punishment which was inflicted by the majority is sufficient for such a man. Time out. You had a church. You had a man in this church. He did something awful. He did something terrible. He didn't even mention what he did. That's in 1 Corinthians 5. He did something terrible. And he wrote him a letter. He said, deal with it. Deal with what this man did. And they dealt with it. But now the real problem is not what this man did. It was their attitude afterwards toward it. Read with me verse 7. On the contrary, you need to forgive him and comfort him, lest he be sorrowed. Verse 8, I urge you, put your arm around him, reaffirm your love for him. To this end I wrote, I'm put you to the test if you'll obey. Verse 10, whom you forgive, anything I forgive, I've done it for the sake of Jesus. Verse 11, 
lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of how he operates. What does the Bible say in verse 11? He said, this man did you wrong. There's no doubt about it. And we've straightened him out. But the problem's not what he did. The problem is your hard heart toward what he did. And he said, I'm going to tell you something. For the sake of Jesus and your sake, you better forgive him because I see Satan working in your life in this area. Let's read it in the verse 11 again. Lest Satan should take advantage of us. If Satan cannot take advantage of a believer, why did the Bible say that? Now notice these words. We are not ignorant of his devices. I have watched, there are people who are supposed to be sitting in this room right now that are not here because they were ignorant of how this works and the enemy has carried them away. I'm going to say it again. It's not going to be crack. This is the issue right here. This is going to carry people away when it, when it doesn't have to happen. I'm going to, let me quote again Proverbs 1.17. Only a fool would set a trap in front of somebody and them know what's coming. So here it is. This is Revelation today. Let me give you one more here. Number six. I made a decision. I saw this years ago in the Bible. And the Holy Spirit of God really dealt with me on this thing and he taught this to me. Got it deep inside of me. And I made a decision years ago. It's not that I'm spiritual. I just like living. I like being happy. I don't like being depressed. I don't like laying awake at night. I like to snore and aggravate people. I like being alive. I like eating and it not coming back up. I enjoy my life and I like enjoying my life. And I saw this years ago. So I made a decision years ago. Nobody on this planet's ever going to owe me anything the rest of my life. I'm not going to get caught in this. I, just as surely as I saw that trap on that branch that day and did not put my foot in it. I know what you wondered. You did it, didn't you? I did not put my foot in that thing. I saw this years ago and I have avoided it like I would a rattlesnake in the bathroom. I can deal with a rattlesnake in the bathroom better than I can a bad attitude in my heart. All right. And I made a decision. I don't like being tormented. It's not going to have it. And so let me tell you what I've done since then. I live in constant vigilance. You say, well, Brother Brown, that's smart of you. Just in case somebody ever does something wrong again, you better pay attention. Just in case. In my line of work, you get it every day. How many of you have had opportunities to be offended? Say just in this past like 2020. How about last week? How about before the stinking sunsets? Especially in this land today. Everybody, I'm going to open a chip company. And that way everybody can have a chip on their shoulder wanting it to get knocked off. And I'm going to get rich selling chips. You put them on your shoulder and ask somebody to knock it off. Why are we walking around looking for a way to be offended? Why don't we look for a way not to be offended? All right. You're going to be offended today because people are looking to offend you today. Can I get a witness? I think sometimes people get up and get dressed and get in their cars just to find me on the highway. <laughs> Nowhere to be. Just thought I'd go aggravate him today. All right, I'm being cute, but I'm going to tell you something. You have to have constant vigilance in this thing. And I made up my mind, not today. You're not going to do this to me today. One of my little buddies, Jungle Jen, she sent me a picture this past week. She was in an airport in Brazil. She's down there saving Brazil. And she sent me a picture of her and a little girl. She had a shirt on, and I really got tickled. The shirt said this, not today, Satan. I thought that's good. How many times have I just been sitting around minding my manners, enjoying my life, and a thought will come into my mind. I wonder what they meant when they said that. And I just say thought I smelled you around here. 
Not today, old great horned one. You're not stealing my joy from me. You can go back to hell where you came from. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord by forgiving them people. I don't know what they meant. I don't care what they meant, but I'm going to enjoy my life. You know they did that just to hurt. This thought will come to your mind. They did that just to hurt you. Well, then I'm going to forgive them on purpose. <laughs> Not today, O oh evil one. Listen, listen. These thoughts have nothing to do with them. It is him. It is him. People are not the enemy of your soul. Your enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy by getting in your head over things people did in the past. And it takes a constant vigilance. See if you've ever had this happen. Let me tell you, I'm going to show you all these tricks today. Let me show you this. Somebody does something, and I mean it's bad, and you make a decision that I'm going to forgive them. I'm going to forgive them. And they're forgiven, and it's done. Praise God. Three or four days goes by. You lay down at night. You're tired, and all of a sudden comes back into your mind. Yes or no? Next time you see them, all of a sudden you... He will come back around and come back around and come back around. And that's why you have to keep saying, go back to hell where you came from. Fellow called me not long ago. He said, I'm going to come by and see you. He came by. He said, I need to talk to you about something. He said, I got a problem. So what is he said, I failed the Walmart test with you. I said, what's the Walmart test? He said, it's just a test I have. And he said, I believe we ought to walk in forgiveness. And he said, uh, like if I'm ever in Walmart and I turn to go down an aisle and I see somebody down that aisle and I turn and don't want to go down that aisle because they're down there, that's the Walmart test. <laughs> and he said, I was thinking about you the other day and I failed the Walmart test. And I thought if I turned and saw him, I wouldn't go down that aisle. So I'm here to ask you to forgive me. And uh, you know what I said, don't you? What I do, what I do. Why would you say something that stupid? I just said, praise God. I hope to meet you in Walmart someday. You don't owe me nothing, Bubba. God bless you. Hope you get a raise at work. You know what this is called? Should you not have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had compassion on you? I don't forgive people for their sake. I do it for my wife's sake because she likes me to come home happy. You will have to be vigilant. Now listen to me. There's nothing wrong with getting angry. A lot of people think it's wrong to get angry. The Bible says it is not wrong to get angry. What's wrong? To stay angry. Let's look at it. Ephesians chapter 4. If you don't get mad when people do something wrong, you brain dead. Soul dead, something dead. There's nothing wrong with getting upset. Now some of you are so nice you don't ever get upset. Pray for the rest of us. The Bible's very clear. You can be angry and not sin. It's not a sin to be angry. But you got to listen. Let's learn this. Ephesians 4.26 says this. <clears throat> be angry and do not sin. So that tells me you can be angry and not sin. But what's the secret? Watch this. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Got it? Somebody does something. They hurt you. They offend you. You get angry. That's not a sin. You can't, that's emotional. You can't help that. What does the Bible say? Deal with it before dark. Get rid of it. Don't carry this thing day after day. How many people do I know years later still remember something? And usually over the dumbest stuff. I'm sorry. I had a family one time in a church and none of them had spoke to each other for years. And I just thought, this is nuts. 
And I thought, well, one of them must have killed somebody's youngin. I finally got up the nerve to ask Grandma, not Grandma, one of the daughters. Oh, and I said, what happened? You know what happened? They stole Grandpa's shotgun. Oh, broke down, rusty thing wouldn't even shoot. And that family divided over a stinking shotgun that wouldn't even shoot. Let me make an announcement. Guns ought to shoot. I wish I had one did shoot when that crowd came around. That family divided over somebody got grandpa's shotgun and it wasn't supposed to be that. Went in the home and took it right after he died. <laughs> angry for years. There's nothing wrong with getting angry at somebody who goes and takes grandpa's shotgun. But before the sun goes down and say, God bless you, I give it to you, enjoy it. It don't shoot. I know, I know, I know, I know this stirs such anger in people. I know there's bigger stuff than that. This ain't about them. This is for you. And you got to make up your mind. The sun is not going to set on my anger. Ruth Graham, Billy Graham's wife said, we made a decision after reading this verse. We will never go to bed mad at one another. We're going to work it out. And she said, we never did. She said, several times we've set up for three days working through it, but we never went to bed mad at one another. What is the Bible saying right here in Ephesians 4, 26? Get serious with this stuff and deal with it. When there's bitterness and there's anger and somebody's offended you, you get alone and you deal with this stuff. Do not let that stuff root in your heart. If you let the sun go down, the next sun will go down and then the calendar's going to change and down the road you're going to be a bitter, haggard old man or old woman, your future ruined by something that was that big. Listen to what the Bible said in Hebrews. Let no root of bitterness grow, whereby many be defiled. All right. Years ago, I'm in the woods. I'm praying one day. I'm walking. And the Spirit of God impressed upon me, said, we're letting this stuff go too long. That's why people are getting killed. You're letting it go too long. And he said to me, look, and I looked down, and there was an oak, just an oak seedling about six inches tall. And he said, pull it up. And I'm I mean, impressed on my heart. Just pull it up. I just reached down and pulled it up with two fingers. And he said, see how easy that is? That's what it means. Get it while it's a root. Let no root of bitterness grow. He said, turn around and pull the one up behind you. I turned and there was a hundred year old oak tree. And I thought, I laughed. He said, no, try it. Well, do you understand why a great prophet named Barney Fife said, nip it in the bud? <laughs> do you understand why the Bible said in Ephesians 4, 26, deal with it the day it happens. Don't let this stuff go overnight in you. Get it out of there. I could, I, any of us could tell of people whose families were ruined over something that just should have been dealt with years ago. Now, let me point something else out to you. Read with me verse 26 again. Be angry. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Verse 27. Do not give Satan a place in your life. Do you think those two verses are connected? How does Satan find a place in a family? I'll never forget what they did to me. Bitterness is how he finds his place in our lives and in our families. And this is what destroys so much. All right, let me, let me quit by saying this. I know it's, but this is the greatest battle I face. Because I'm not running off with our choir director, song director. He ain't my type. That ain't happening. <laughs> I'm not stealing from the church. I don't even know where the checkbook is. I don't touch that stuff. I really don't think cocaine will get me anymore. Geritol will be more like it at this age. 
this is the one that'll get you. This has destroyed more homes and more preachers. I, I know it's a battle. Let me help you. I want to help you with a little. Let me give you some helps. Number one, this lights a fire in people when I say it, but I'm, I'm saying this to help you. You can do it. You can obey God in this area. I, listen, counselors today are telling people you cannot forgive. We'll medicate you. You, you. They have no right to ask you to forgive. Listen to me. This is for you. You can do what God asks you to do. You can do it. And uh, by the way, let me make an announcement. Not all, we have great counselors here, but I'm going to tell you something. Bible over counselors when the two disagree. Bible over experts. Bible right, experts wrong when they disagree. Let's, I, I, I keep having to say that. Number two, God is really trying to help you here. When, when a preacher or your mama or a friend or God Almighty says you need to forgive them, they're really doing you a favor. They're trying to help you. Because I'm, I'm going to say it again. The demonic presence has legal right to every place there's unforgiveness. And if it's in your mind and in your heart, you done built a home for them right there. Number three, this, this is not for them. This is for you. This is for you. I brought my little tag here today. Does anybody know Mr. Everett? You ever been to the Airhead BP station down there across from that where you spent all your money right before Christmas down there at Tanger? If you ever want to know what a real Christian is, go visit Mr. Everett. Just swing by there and sit in the service station there for a little bit. Wonderful man. And Mr. Everett runs the BP station. He's about 105. He's been there all his life. And just he's one of the greatest men I ever met. Devout believer. And on the, on the wall, the board wall going around his gas station there, he's written a saying on that wall. And he's also, I cut this off. He gives me a calendar every year, old cars. I keep it in my office. And this was on the bottom of his calendar this year. I cut it off and brought it with me. And it's the same saying. Let me read it to you. Resentment is like drinking poison, hoping it'll kill your enemy. I've seen some dumb things in my life. But to take a can of poison and say to your enemy, watch this, and then you drink it. Friend, that's malignant, stupid right there. What does the Bible say? This is not about them. This is for your well-being. This is for you. I have learned to forgive quickly because this is for my sake. Number four, you got to remember something. This will help you to forgive people. You got to remember something. Blind people can't see. Why did Jesus forgive people? T turn and read it with me. Luke chapter 23. Since he wants me to be like him, let's see why he did it. Luke chapter 23. This, is, this will give you so much insight into forgiving people. Luke chapter 23. This is the crucifixion of Jesus. In Luke 23, verse 33. Luke 23, 33. I want you to read this with me. Luke 23, 33. When the soldiers, when they'd come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified Jesus. And the criminals, one on the right, the other on the left. This is the crucifixion of Jesus. What's the first thing Jesus said from the cross? Verse 34. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them. Had he done anything wrong? So he's extending forgiveness to who? Not only the men who nailed him up there, all of humanity. Father, forgive them. Now watch these words. Father, forgive them. They do not know what they're doing. Tell me why Jesus forgave. Because he understood people are really blind. People really don't mean to do what they do a lot of times. Listen, dear ones, if so, the hatred that's in our land, it has blinded the nation. 
Turn with me to 1 John chapter 1. Let me show you that. If you'll understand, they really didn't get up this morning to try to hurt me. They're really not trying to destroy me or them or us or y'all. People really not trying to do this. 1 John chapter 1. Here's one of the great truths about why people do what they do. And I want you to hang on to this verse and learn it, uh, the principle here. It's why people do what they do. Have you ever wondered why people do what they do? Here it is. 1 John 1, 11, He who hates his brother, any hatred in the land today? <clears throat> he who hates his brother is in darkness, walks in darkness, lives in darkness, does not know what he's doing because the darkness has blinded his eyes. When people do what they do, the Bible says there's a demonic blindness in their hearts that causes them to do certain things. And then when you understand that they just really don't know what they're doing. It's real easy. Well, it may not be easy, but it becomes necessary to say, look, you don't owe me anything. God bless you. You owe me nothing. You really need to, uh, let me tell you something. You need to start expect blind, expecting blind people to act blind. We need to forgive people. Be done with it. Let me give you one more uh, to help you. Forgiveness is an act of your will, not your feelings. Feelings lie. God never asked you to feel something, did he? I've had people say, well, I tried to forgive them, but I just, I just feel so bad about it. It has nothing to do with your feelings. It's an act of the will. And I make a decision. Anytime I'm offended, something big, somebody, I get lied about on social media a lot, I hear. I found the off button for that thing. I get lied about. I get accused of things I never even come close to saying. God bless them. I did do some dumb, don't misunderstand me. I've done some dumb things worthy of criticism. Oh, amen me. I get a lot of opportunities to be offended and I made up my mind. I don't care whether you slam the door when I needed you to open it or whether you lie and say I killed my grandma. It don't matter to me. I've already made up my mind. You're forgiven that day. I choose to do that. Oh, I might feel like pinching your head off and throwing it in the bushes. I'm not in control of them feelings. I'm in full control of my will. Listen to me. Many of you, your feelings are your engine and your will is your caboose. Turn it around, Doc. Make your will the engine that drives your life. The caboose will get in line directly. Y'all need, need to go into that parable. You say by and you need to say it. You need to speak it and say you're forgiven. Not to them, not in front of them. You just need to say out loud, they don't owe me nothing. God bless them. They don't owe me a thing. The moment you sense that, you just need to say it. Ain't nobody's going to mean nothing. Not today, evil one. You're not finding a place in here. It's an act of the will. And listen to me. Keep declaring it. I've had issues come up in my life where I forgave people. God bless you. And then I'd think about it later and go, you keep fighting it. He will come back around, but I've made up my mind. All right, let me quit by saying this. I've told you this before. The main prophet, the primary prophecy over this land today, the Bible says this, darkness will cover the earth. Deep darkness to people, you know that. What's the darkness? Above everything else, it's going to be the bitterness, the anger, the hatred, the warring spirits. Jesus said there are 10 great signs of the end of the times. And one of them, I'm just going to pick one of them out, see if you agree with Jesus. He said, ethnicity will turn in war with ethnicity. Ethnos is the Greek word. We get our word ethnicity. Races will turn against one another and there will be racial strife. 
Jesus said that 2,000 years ago. <clears throat> That's going to cover the earth. And, and the whole thing is rooted in bitterness, anger, and hatred over the past. I've made up my mind. Nobody has any history. I forgive you. God bless you. I'm going to smile and keep going so I can enjoy my life. Everybody here has got reason. Some of you big. And listen, I want to say this to those of you sitting out there. Just, you don't know what they did to me. I know. Now listen, after 40 years of counseling, no one knows what goes on behind closed doors. I know. There's some horrible things that happen, especially to some of you ladies, evil things. Life comes on the other side of saying, I choose to forgive and go on. Nobody's going to me a dime. And the mercy of God is damned up behind my forgiveness. Are you with me? I learned this early in life. I think I've told you this before. I'm just a young man. I just got saved, just found Jesus. And uh, my sweetheart was abducted from her college parking lot and she was murdered. And it was by a man of another race than mine. And I remember I'm a brand new believer. And boy, that'd be a prime opportunity for the enemy to get in my heart and, and just... So this, after you follow God, this happens. And boy, that could have been a root of bitterness. It could have grown in me. But I'd been taught early that the Bible is the word of God and you obey it. Thank God for that early preacher who got hold of me and said, you do what the man says in here and you'll live. And I knew immediately I got to forgive this man. And I did forgive him. And God helped me and I forgave him. And I found myself praying for him, praying this. I hope he meets the same Jesus I met. But by the grace of God, there could have gone I. I hope he meets the same Jesus I met. And from that day to this, it has never bothered me, never hurt me one bit because I chose to forgive it, give it to God and bless that man in my prayers. And how many times have I dealt with people in counseling who just explode on me in a counseling in my office, just explode on me. You have no right to ask me to do that. You don't know what they did to me. And with grace, I'll say to them, I know, I know. I can't know what you went through, but I do know this. There's healing on the other side of forgiveness. And I've had no few people that I've told that story about what happened to me too, and it hit them like a ton of bricks and say, well, then I can choose to forgive too. And how many people, how many people have I known that look 20 years older than they were, haggard, miserable, mad at the world because of something that happened they couldn't turn loose and they could have been free in a day. I like freedom. Freedom comes from being like Jesus. Father, forgive them. They really don't know what they're doing. All right, we made up our minds today. We're going to live free for the rest of our lives. Let's do business right now before we leave. Lord Jesus, I praise you and thank you for your great kindness. I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for your word. You have uncovered the root of the hell in this nation today, this morning through your word. Father, many people sitting in this room right here, many folks as are here, sitting in here and there's stuff way down inside there that's been covered up. People in their prisons of their hearts and they're just stuck there and the people are stuck in life. I pray in Jesus' name you just move through the crowd right now and just deal with people's hearts. Put the Walmart test on them or even big stuff that's far worse than that. And grace, grace, I pray for grace. I pray for mercy in people's lives to just come to the cross and see perfection, perfect, hanging on the cross for my sake and say, if he did it, I can do it. And make the decision, I'm going to forgive. I'm going to release them. Father, it's just, you've, you've told me so many times, son, 
to forgive somebody is to open the prison door and let the prisoner go free and find out you was him. I pray for people today, just open the door and say, God bless you. You owe me nothing. I bless you with peace and hope and prosperity. God bless you. You owe me nothing. I'll never hold it against you again. And just let people go today. And then, Father, also for people that we would fortify the fort today, our camps today, we make up our minds. I'm not going to get in debt. This is not, not going to happen to me. My enemy is not going to get a chain on me. He's not going to get me in this. I am going to live to forgive so I can live. And any offense that comes, I'll deal with it, and the sun will not go down on my anger from now till I fall over and see you face to face. I'm not going to get caught up in the mess that's killing this nation, destroying homes and marriages. My marriage is not going to be given over to the enemy through this. I'm going to forgive, and we're going to love, and we're going to laugh. We're going to enjoy our lives. I'm going to walk in forgiveness. I'm going to love my brothers and sisters. I don't care what they do. I make up my mind now to forgive. Help me, Jesus, to live it out day to day. I trust you for that. Now I want to thank you and praise you. I owed you a debt I could not pay. And when I bowed my stubborn heart and said, you are right and I'm sinner. And you forgave me and you've given me mercy and I praise you and thank you. It'll never be brought up again. I give you all the praise and glory that I'm a forgiven man as we did last Sunday. And today we want to praise you and thank you that we are forgiving men and women. We're just going to live to forgive and we're going to eat our lunch and enjoy it. and We're going to smile. God is going to be good to us. I trust you for that. In the precious, precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen and amen.